so the Olacox offering is certainly about giving. But it's also about putting our hands on the work. That's what it means to cooperate together as Southern Baptist. The Upper Ohio Valley Baptist Association is a great example of God's ability that he's given us to cooperate. You know, when Faith Community Church burned to the ground. Uh, uh, what a horrible, horrible thing that was. And it wasn't just the community there in North Wheeling that came together. It was it was the churches of the Upper Ohio Valley Baptist Association that gathered around uh, Pete Carney. And, and they worked together to continue to serve the Lord. You know, that church is displaced now. Um, where are they going to go? What's going to happen? They've always had this property that they were looking to build upon, um, but it just wasn't there yet. It just wasn't to the point where it could, where they could have service there or do anything at that point. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be as honest as I can. I thought that would be the last place in the world that I would ever build a church. So thankfully, um, I never expressed that. Because they had faith. They did. They had faith beyond measure. They were going to plant a church. And it was going to be here. And now we see. And let me tell you something. This is a product of faith. We want to thank the uh, Ola Cox Foundation for their contribution. And, and what they've done here at the Faith Community Church. But it's been a real team effort by the Upper High Valley Baptist Association and in our congregation here. Uh, the four main words that uh, have have really been the thread of this whole process is trust in the Lord. We're just uh, grateful and humble that uh, we get to be a part of that and and see how how miraculously everything is coming together here in in the community of North Wheeling. We're just grateful and and we're looking forward to uh, many days and and many souls to be saved in this church. I believe it's been said that there's probably somebody from every church that's been involved with, with this project from across our association. Is truly amazing when you walk into a um, the building setting and you see all these people working together and just knowing the impact that they're going to have in the North Wheeling area. And it was many of you who were making that possible, many of you who were praying, many of you who were cheerleading, and alongside was the Ola Cox mission dollars that were making all that possible. But what a beautiful picture of us working together to accomplish the task. When uh, churches partner together and giving to the cooperative program and giving to an offering such as the Olacock State Missions Offering, those funds go further than what they may think at the moment because it reaches a community like North Wheeling. The generosity of those who give, it goes to the mission field immediately, and we're very thankful for that. You know, there's different things that still need to be done but God is, is teaching us patience and those four words trust in the Lord and the things are the things will happen I'm sure of it I'm just as sure of it today as I was two years ago they believe they had vision from God and I'm going to tell you it has come to fruition and um, I'm going to tell you right now I want to eat some words there's not a better location than this one it, to watch everybody here to be one accord, I think that would be like heaven. So I would have to hope and say that uh, what happens here, what happens in West Virginia, will be the same as it is in heaven. In North Wheeling as it is in heaven. In the Upper Ohio Valley Baptist Association as it is in heaven.
in West Virginia as it is in heaven. Stand with me if you would.
with me, if you will. Father, thank you for this time that we could come together as your church. And Father, we come to you not of our own accord, but because of what you did for us. The solid ground that we stand on is Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Father, today, let us not forget that. Today, let us know that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what's around us, our home is with you, Lord, that our promise is with you. Father, we look forward to that day that you come. And Father, we look forward to that. Father, we don't give you the praise and the honor and the glory that you so much deserve from us, Lord. So today, I pray that we are focused on that. It's in your name, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Shout your 
But our hearts do cry out in praise today to our Lord. We have a a wonderful, wonderful Savior. Today, our study takes us to the last half of Revelation chapter 13, and today we meet the false prophet. You know, false prophets have plagued God's people from the beginning of history, but they are going to proliferate in an incredible way in the last days as the time of Christ's return draws near. And speaking of that time, Jesus himself said that many false prophets will arise and they will deceive many. In fact, he says they're going to be incredibly effective because he says they are going to show signs and wonders, and in order to lead astray even the very elect, it's going to be an incredibly difficult time when these false prophets begin to proliferate. Uh, they, these these, demon, these uh, prophets are going to be energized by demons. They're going to have a real power available to them. And, of course, the devil is going to intensify his efforts as his time, the time of his doom, draws near. Just as the uh, the false Christ uh, who have plagued mankind will eventually culminate in the final Antichrist, so all the, the false prophets of the last days are going to ultimately culminate in the final false prophet. And he will be Satan's most powerful deceiver. And I'll put up a a, a graphic here for you, just kind of so you can kind of get the picture here. Uh, The false prophet makes up the third part of a false trinity, of an unholy trinity. As you can see on your screen there, there's a holy trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when Satan begins to try to proliferate his his theme as God of this world, uh, he is in control ultimately. He is the counterfeit of God the Father. And then the, the Antichrist is the counterfeit of the Son, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the false prophet will be the counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. It'll work together very similar to the way in which God works. It's a counterfeit of God. And you see, the Antichrist is going to be primarily a political and military ruler. But don't forget, he claims to be God. And he will have a high priest who will be the false prophet. And the false prophet will be the one who leads the way for the world to worship Antichrist as God. The false prophet will deify Antichrist. He will convince unbelievers that he is the only hope for the world. Now, the the false prophet will also uh, be able to deceive the unbelieving world for, for many reasons. But one of those is because of the nature of religion. You know, religion is very powerful in the lives of people. We all are worshipers by nature. There's There's something in us that, that cries out for something beyond us to deliver us from our circumstances. We all worship something or someone in some way. 
And it, it's, a, it's a powerful force in our lives. The, the terrifying, unparalleled events, unparalleled events of the, the tribulation are going to have people desiring, longing for a supernatural deliverer. And that the false prophet's going to convince the unbelieving world that the Antichrist is the solution to all the overwhelming problems in this world. And he may well be the most eloquent, the most powerful, uh, the most convincing speaker that human history has ever seen. And his persuasive oratory is going to, to lead the world to worship Antichrist. Now, the partnership between political and religious power that's exhibited by Antichrist and the false prophet is not something that's new. We've seen this from the very beginning. You remember there were two there were two magicians in in Pharaoh's court named Janus and Jambres, and they actually duplicated the the miracles of Moses in the court. Uh, there was a man by the name of Balak. He was the king of Moab, and he sought the services of a false prophet by the name of Balaam to put a curse. On Israel, uh, there was there was Ahab and Jezebel, and they sought the the services literally of the priests of Baal in order to take control of the nation of Israel uh, in the Roman Empire. They did, they united political and religious power, uh, demanding that people worship Rome as a goddess. They called her Roma, and then. They were to worship the Caesars as God. And even in the days when Jesus Christ was upon the earth, the religious system of the Jews came together with the political system of the Romans and crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're seeing is nothing new. And even in modern times, communism, though it's officially scorns religion as the opiate of the people, it has really become a substitute, a religion for its adherents. Uh, there are all kinds of religions in our world, and always uh, religions and polit- politics have a way of coming together. So the worldwide joining of the political and religious power in the end time, we're going to see that revealed to us in Revelation chapter 17. And what we're going to see is that for a while, they will coexist. But then, what is going to happen is that Antichrist is going to destroy all the world religions, and he is going to make his religion, the worship of Antichrist, exclusive. He will take on the only religion of the world. Now, uh, let me just remind you, we're going to put up another graphic here. You've seen this several times, but I just want to remind you that while all the judgments that we have been seeing that God is bringing about upon the land are occurring, at the same time, Antichrist has appeared at the very beginning. And he has come on the scene, first of all, as a, with a false peace. 
to capture the attention of the world, present himself in a positive light, make himself look good. And he's offering hope to the world in the midst of all of these things that are transpiring. But don't forget that while all the things we've been studying so far, that Antichrist has been at work. He's, he's revealed to us until after the, before the, the seventh trumpet in the book of Revelation. But he's been there all along. And so this is very important for us to understand. So at the, at the midpoint of the tribulation, when Antichrist sets up the abomination of desolation, this begins his kind of his official position of taking over the, uh, the role of being the god of his world. And having reached the, really the pinnacle of his power, Antichrist will destroy all the other religions, and the worship of Antichrist generated by the false prophet will become the only religion tolerated. So let's meet the false prophet. I invite you to look with me to Revelation chapter 13, beginning in verse 11. Revelation 13, beginning in verse 11. He says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that even he makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. And this is the inspired, infallible Word of God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come to you today never assuming that we can understand these things apart from your grace and your Spirit. And Lord, we ask for, as the text tells us, wisdom and understanding that we might learn from this text, that it might make a difference in the way that we view the life in which we're living and the way that we live this life and the way in which we honor you. I pray for your people, understanding. And I pray for those that would be watching, God, that that don't know you. I pray that today that you would open their eyes to the truth, free them from the deception of the devil. Give them understanding of you as the true and living Savior, and give them eternal life through faith in you. 
And so, Father, we ask these things now in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as we just saw, this text uh, describes the rise of the false prophet, and it also describes the nature of his work in regard to the beast and uh, the, the dragon. That's Satan and the Antichrist. Now, in verse 11, we see this. He says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. Now, here we see the third member of this unholy trinity rising to power. And again, if you look at the graphic here, it tells us that that the dragon... As we saw first time in verse in chapter eleven, he has seven heads, ten horns. Uh, the the beast is really the. He also has seven heads, ten horns. The four, first beast, the second beast, has two horns like a lamb. And you see the corresponding uh, characters, what they represent, and who they really identify. These, this is what we're looking at here when we see the this third be or this second beast. And so we've already seen all these characters now, and now we have this unholy trinity, this counterfeit trinity in place. He, used, he says, I saw another beast. Now, another there is a word in the Greek that means another of the same kind, indicating that this beast is like the first beast. He's, he's a person, a real human being. And like Antichrist, this false prophet will be indwelt by a demon from the abyss. And that's really the picture here. The first beast rises out of the sea, right? That's the the Gentile world. The second beast arises here, it says, out of the earth. Now, in the ancient uh, view of the world, the sea was very mysterious, very foreboding, scary, mysterious. The earth was considered less so, but there was still a lot of mystery associated with the the earth. And here, this this description of this first beast or the second beast with its or the first beast with its ten horns, its seven heads, all that—that's pretty grotesque. That's pretty terrifying. That's pretty frightening, right? When you think about this beast, a literal monster coming out of the sea, well, this one, the second beast that comes up, he's not so scary. He's only got two horns, and he looks like a lamb. Think about that. He's a whole lot less frightening. And, but, though he is mild and in appearance, this false prophet is no less a son of hell than the dragon or the Antichrist, the first beast. Because you know what it tells us? He spoke as a dragon. In fact, he will be winsome and persuasive and the epitome of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah? He's going he's gonna to fit right in. He's going to blend right in, and, and he, see, he's, he's a lot less scary. He's a confidence man. 
He comes in. He gets your confidence uh, because he's got a plan. He's got an agenda, and he wants to take advantage of you. He wants to take your soul. And so, he this, but this this beast speaks as a dragon, but he kind of looks like a, a lamb, and and he's not going to echo. You know, remember the first beast? He had all these blasphemous names, tearing down the God of heaven, uh, making himself God in his place. This guy's not going to be like that. Instead, he's going to be very winsome. He's going to speak deceiving words about Antichrist, uh, luring people to worship this vile, satanic dictator. False prophets often appear meek and mild and harmless. They speak beautifully. They're great communicators, orators. They take people in. They get them comfortable. Oftentimes, they're funny. They make people laugh. Oftentimes, they smile a lot. They make you feel good. And oftentimes, these, these false prophets, they're beautiful. They're handsome. And they are very appealing. And they have a way of luring people in. Nobody would think, that's not a monster. That's not a beast. That's a lamb. No need to fear that person. So they want to get your guard down. And yet, when they speak, you know what they speak? They speak the words of hell. They speak the words of the dragon. They speak the words of Satan. They speak words that will take your soul. And and they're gonna this this prophet is going to promise the tormented people of the world that if they will only put their trust in Antichrist, that he will deliver them from all the terrible things that are happening in the world under the judgment of God. See, while God's bringing judgment, the Antichrist and his false prophet are giving an explanation. They've got a reason. They're taking God out of the picture, and they're bypassing this and trying to make it, well, who, who knows what it will be? Climate change, you know, uh, nuclear war, whatever. They'll have something that will take the attention off of God and put it on the Antichrist, and that he has the solution to the problem. See, the false prophet is a wolf in sheep's clothing whose purpose is to, uh, is to cause the world to worship the Antichrist. That's his purpose. And the Apostle John warns us that the deception of false prophets that call us to worship anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ is a false prophet. And let me tell you, friends. You do not have to wait till the time of the end to find false prophets. They are all around us right now. This is not a passage just for the end time, just for the last seven seven and a half years of the universe. This is a passage for right now in your life. They are everywhere around us. 
And listen, they are anti-Christ. Do you know what anti means? It means against or in the place of. And these false prophets are offering us ideas, thoughts that would put us against Christ or would put themselves in the place of Christ. That's the world that we live in right now. It's everywhere. And John said, many antichrists have already come. Yes, this is going to happen in the end times. It, this is going to be the ultimate, the, the ultimate expression of that. But friends, you and I live with it right now. It's all around us. And our text shows us that there are three ways that the false prophet will promote the worship of Antichrist. It shows us three ways that false prophets even today promote the worship of anything that is against God. First of all, he expands the worship of Antichrist through signs. He expands that worship. Look again at verse 12. He says, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. Now, though primarily a deceiver, this, this false prophet, you see, he is not impotent. It says that he exercises all the authority of the first beast, that is the Antichrist. In other words, this, this false prophet is going to exercise the same demonic power as Antichrist. And this is going to lead people to look at him and wonder and marvel at him and pay attention to the things that he says. And the fact that he exercises his, his authority in Antichrist's presence implies that Antichrist is the one who, who uh, delivers his power to him, enables him to do this. He delegates that authority to him. And, and the false prophet's mission will be to use all those means available to him to turn people to the Antichrist, to cause them to worship the first beast. That's his job, to cause people to worship the first beast. And it's going to lead to a worldwide cult of Antichrist worship. Now listen, it won't be, you won't go by a sign on the road that says First Church of Antichrist. It's going to have another name. It's going to be very appealing It's going to be a word that everybody, all the culture has on their lips. It's going to be something very positive, something that we can all unite around, something that will be very harmonious, pleasant, and good. Y'all get the picture? Okay. Now, the the false prophet will not merely, he, he he will, I'm going to say this, he's going to merely expand the worship that has already begun because the Antichrist has had this wound that was healed. He's had a resurrection, a fatal wound that was healed. He has had a resurrection, and the world is looking at him with incredible marvel. Y'all follow me? And, And I say expand because simply because that's already started. 
People are already worshiping Antichrist, but the false prophet's going to come in and he's going to organize that and he's going to make it much stronger and uh, more uh, direct. Now, let me just remind you this. That you're going to see this phrase, this idea that he had a fatal wound that was healed. You're going to see that three times in the text. That's a big deal because this is another counterfeit, in my opinion. I, I believe that Satan fakes his death, the death of the Antichrist, and then he has a counterfeit resurrection. And when he is resurrected, you see everybody is looking to him and think, marveling at him. I don't believe Satan has power over life. He has power over death. He kills. He destroys. But he has power over life. And so he is, he's the, the great deceiver. That's his whole job. Everything about here is deception. And so this, I believe this is going to be a big ruse that happens. And so he mimics the resurrection. The false prophet also uh, performs great signs, he says, of his own. And those signs are going to mimic, again, <clears throat> those performed by Jesus Christ. And they, they mimic the, the miracles performed by the two witnesses we saw in chapter 11. Remember one of the things that happened? They, they could do, they could make fire come down from heaven when people would oppose them. And guess what this, this false prophet is going to be able to do? He's going to be able to make fire come down from heaven. And Second Thessalonians, again, tells us in chapter 2, tells us that uh, all these false wonders with all deception of wickedness are going to be extremely pervasive. Why? Because people who are perishing, lost people, are going to, don't want to receive the truth. They want an alternative truth. The, the, the alternative is not nearly as compelling, but because they don't want to believe the truth, they accept the alternative. That's the way, we, that's the way life is, isn't it? That's the world we live in right now. You can tell people the truth, and it makes all the sense in the world. But if people don't want to accept it, they come along, and they'll, they'll take, take the alternative because they don't want to believe it. People don't want to believe that God created the world. So what do they do? They accept the, the lie that the world evolved. I mean, in, in all honesty, anybody who really and truly looks at the evidence can see that this world was created. But because you don't want to believe that it was created, because you want to be your own God, you want to be in control, you believe that it evolved. And the whole world speaks of it and follows it. You see, these signs are going to be an alternative, a, a mimicking, a weak mimicking of what God does that will give sinful people an opportunity to believe what they want to believe. You know, it's clear from Scripture that Satan can fabricate uh, supernatural signs. Again, Janus and Jambres, those magicians in Pharaoh's court, you know what they did? Moses threw his staff down on the ground, and it became a serpent, Egyptian cobra maybe. And then what they do, they throw their staffs down. They also become serpents. But then Moses' serpent swallows their serpents. That's the way it always is, too, friends. Satan may mimic God's ways, uh, but he always gets eaten up in the end. 
And then in Acts chapter 8 and verse 9, it describes a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from the smallest to the greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had, for a long time, astonished them with his magic arts. And you see, this the signs performed by this False prophets are going to far exceed this small-time magician. If they thought he was the great power of God, they're certainly going to think that this false prophet is the great power of God. And amazingly, the, the false prophet uh, imitating the, the, the two witnesses, again, I mean, he makes fire come down out of heaven. That's a pretty good trick. And I, and I believe that Satan does have power in this world. He's real. He has power. And don't minimize that. But friends, it's nowhere near who God is and what God can do. God's often demonstrated his power by bringing fire from heaven. And see, again, everything that Satan and his henchmen do is simply a counterfeit, a mimicking of what God does. All of this, this is to expand the worship of Antichrist. What's Satan's ultimate goal? To be God, to be worshipped. And Antichrist, again, I want to tell you, friends, is against God or in the place of God. And there are many false prophets today promoting and expanding the worship of things that are against God or in the place of God of Christ. You see it all the time. You listen to it on the radio and on the television and on your podcast. These people are promoting it, and it's everywhere. And I want to tell you that anything, anything that turns you away from Christ is antichrist. Anything that puts itself or themselves in the place of Christ is Antichrist. And and we need to be aware of that because what he's showing us, this is how he operates. He pushes us against Christ or tries to take the place of Christ. And that leads us to our, our second point here. Uh, the, the Antichrist, or excuse me, the false prophet, encourages the worship of Antichrist through deception. Again, we read in verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak. Wow. The, the the false prophet is going to succeed in deceiving those who dwell on the earth. Now, you may remember, and we've talked about this several times, that those who dwell on the earth is a term that's used throughout Revelation to speak of those who are unbelieving, those who are not followers of Christ. And this is exactly what Jesus predicted would happen. The word deceives is an interesting word. It's the word planeo. It's the the root from which we get our word planet. 
When the ancients would look up into the heavens and observe the stars, then they saw something that was different from the stars. They saw things called planets. They didn't, they didn't stay in the same place. They seemed to be wandering. Literally, this word means to wander. And what it described is the idea of getting off track, off course, being led astray. And this is what he's saying that the false prophet is going to do. He's going to lead people astray. He's going to deceive them. And the world will be especially vulnerable to this because of all that's happening in the tribulation, all the horrors, all the things that are happening, all the needs that are, are, are present, and people are going to be vulnerable to listening to the words of this false prophet. And having rejected the gospel and blasphemed the true God, see, the unbelieving world is going to be eager to hear what he has to say especially about the Antichrist being the hope of the world. And, and, and John defines the people who will uh, be deceived, again, as those who are unbelievers. Unbelievers are going to be greatly deceived. Uh, humanity is going to come under the influence of the false prophet. So much so, he says, that they will obey a command to make an image to the beast. Now, can you get this picture? Can you imagine our world making an image to a leader? Can you imagine that? Happens all the time, doesn't it? In fact, some people are trying to tear them down right now, aren't they? We put up some, we tear some down. That's, the, that's life. They're going to be tearing down a lot more, and they're going to be putting up another one in its place. It'll be the image of Antichrist. And this this blasphemous image probably probably will will be in Israel on the on the Temple Mount, probably right after the abomination of desolation, when Antichrist makes his claim to be God of the world. Now, it'll be a tribute again to the one it says who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. He's going to be worshipped as the conqueror of death. Now, who does that sound like? Again, it's a counterfeit of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world, died for our sin on the cross, was buried, and rose again, and he is alive, truly alive forever. Antichrist, false prophet, Satan, will mimic this. And set up this image, and this he says this image, this false prophet will, will give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak. Interestingly, the word breath there is pneuma, uh, breath. It's not zoe. It's not bios, the, the Greek words for life. He doesn't give it life. He gives it breath. Again, another imitation, another counterfeiting of what God did. When God made man, he breathed what? Breath into his, that piece of clay, that piece of dust, and it came to life. And he's going to mimic this, not real life, but animated life, pretended life, so that it even speaks. That's going to be pretty amazing. 
Now, some people think that's going to happen through, you know, technology and and um, robotics and those kind of things. I tend to think that this is going to be uh, a spirit of the a manifestation of of a demon, giving the appearance of of, of life. Uh, again, I don't know, but whatever whatever it is, when this happens, the people are amazed. And they're thinking, man, this is the conqueror of death. What's happening right now? <laughs> the judgment of God and all these people are, are dying. We need a conqueror of death. So they're open to it, to receiving him. You know, um, um, where does our world look today for life? What's happening in our culture right now? Do you know where our world is looking for life? It's looking to the government. It wants the government to be our shepherd. It wants the, the, wants the government to, to lead, make us lay down in green pastures and lead us by still waters. It wants the government to restore our soul. It wants the government to give us free health care and free college and free everything. We want a shepherd that gives us everything. And we're willing to give up our freedom and trust and control to that government to be our God. Where's the world looking right now? Medical science. Our hope, the hope of the world is that there will be a vaccine. And who knows what it'll be the next time. But you see, we, we're, we're, when we look, we look to other things instead of Christ, in the place of Christ, or sometimes even against Christ. We're looking to the government to give us freedom to practice all the sin that we want. We want the, the government to make sure that we can be homosexual, that we can practice abortion, that we can do whatever it is we want. See, we're always looking to something else that is anti-Christ or instead of Christ, in the place of Christ. This is the world in which you and I live. That's not just for then at the end time. That's right now. One of the great mistakes, I think, that when people preach the book of Revelation, it's all about what happens way up there in the future. When in reality, it's about your life right now and the world you live in. This is the world you live in. The false prophet may not be as powerful as the future false prophet, but he is here and he is influencing your life and trying to turn you away from Christ or give you something in place of Christ. Finally, the, the false prophet enforces the worship of Antichrist through total domination. <laughs> and look what he says in verse 18, the last part of verse eight, uh, 15, excuse me. And, and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all the small and great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead 
And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. The false prophet is going to enforce the worship of the Antichrist. He's going to make sure that everybody's worth worshiping the Antichrist. He's going to do that in a couple of ways. First, he says, he'll cause as many as do not worship the Antichrist to be killed. That's a pretty good motivation, right? Worship the beast or die. That's not new. You remember, you remember Nebuchadnezzar? He made a gigantic image of himself. And he said, anybody that bow down and worship this, you get thrown in the fiery furnace. And God's people were back then. They faced that same choice. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And they said, we're not worshiping. And they got thrown into the fiery furnace. Friends, that's what happens when you mess with the beast. That happens. That's real life. But, but, but through, though the death sentence is going to be imposed upon all who will not worship him, as is, was the case in, with, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not everybody's going to die. God's going to preserve some. Some of them are going to go into the millennial kingdom, as, and, and then there are going to be Jews. A third of the Jews, at least, are going to be saved. They're going to go into the kingdom. Not everybody's going to die. God's going to protect, protect some of his people. And many people all over the world right now are being literally killed because they will not bow down to the present Antichrist, to the present government, to the present religion. There are people, literally, we do not get it on our news very often. It comes up every once in a while as a little uh, flag there are being people all over this world who are literally being executed because they will not worship Allah. There are people who are living right now in death camps in China who, because they will not bow down to the Chinese Communist Party. It's everywhere across our world. People are literally dying because they won't worship the beast. This is not something way down the road in the future. This is right now. And I want to tell you, it's not too far from happening in America. Not too far. As a further part of his plan to enforce the worship of Antichrist, the false prophet, will require everyone, it says, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. That word mark literally means to engrave. It was a word that was used to describe what they did on coins when they would place the name or the image of a Roman emperor on that coin. It was engraved there. Uh, in that culture, they had several other things that were called a mark. That was put on a coin, 
but they put tattoos on soldiers to identify them as soldiers so that they could never uh, successfully, uh, um, you know, leave the army, could never desert fully and get away with it. They put brands, literally burned it into the skin of the slaves so they could never get that off. A permanent tattooing, as it were, or marking. And it's interesting that um, God, it says, sealed 144,000 with a mark on their forehead to preserve them from his wrath against the unbelieving world. God's going to be pouring out his wrath on the unbelieving world. And he says, if you've got the mark, I'm not going to, you won't receive my wrath. But here, the false prophet mimics again. He marks the unsaved to preserve them from Antichrist's wrath against God's people. So he says, if you've got this mark, then I won't persecute you. And the mark will, will, will really it will signify that this person bearing this mark is a devoted worshiper of Antichrist. And it's going um, to be something that uh, will make a, a huge decision in, pe- in the lives of people. Which mark do you take? No, in, in uh, much the same way, the Roman emperors, they required their subjects to bring and offer sacrifices to a bust of the emperor. And if you refused to do that, you know what happened? You could be executed. That happened, in, that was happening in John's day. And the same thing has happened throughout history at various times in different ways. And again, as I've already explained to you, that's happening even in our day. There are certain things that mark people as being identified. All of us, we have marks, things that we that identify us with certain causes, places, uh, schools, uh, events. I mean, we all got those. We call them T-shirts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> only though they're not permanent, right? We've got all kinds of things that, that set us apart. And friends, it's not going to be any different than that day. And and besides the constancy threat of death, the refusing to take the mark of the beast will result in some very practical consequences. It says no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark. Antichrist's empire is going to maintain strict control over the economy, uh, over over the world, food and clothing and medical supplies and other necessities of life that are going to be in great demand because of the the tribulation are going to be unobtainable by people without the mark. Cash will no doubt vanish. That's already being talked about in our culture. I read uh, several articles about that this year. Uh, it's probably going to be replaced by some kind of digital currency, some kind of Bitcoin. Instead of a, a credit card or a debit card, which can be lost, there's going to be some way of identifying people. Some people say it's going to be a, a, a chip that's placed under the skin. I, I don't know. I don't know what it will be. That's speculation. But what you can know is that you will have to have some form 
of identification in the right hand or the forehead. Does that seem strange? Do you what do you use when you go to the store? I mean, you know, scanning something is no big deal. In fact, I've been scanned a couple times in the forehead. They're taking my temperature before I go somewhere. <laughs> Listen, we got to go through uh, metal detectors before we can get in certain places. That's going to be the standard. You walk through a, the door and every, they know everything about you. Listen, don't they already know all, everything about you? You think the monopolies like uh, Google and, and Facebook and, and Twitter and Amazon and all those, you think that's something? Wait till you get the one monopoly of the Antichrist, and he's got control of everything. Everything. It's happening today. Have you, if, if, if any of you uh, ever take, read the Epic Times, uh, they have some incredible articles about what is actually happening in China right now. There is an incredible proliferation of cameras so that they're on everywhere you turn. I mean, a literal 1984 Big Brother situation. Uh, they have drones that are flying out into the remote areas. Uh, they have an incredible computer system, and it is they are taking control of the lives of these people. They know everything is happening. Domination, total domination of people's lives. And we're not far from it here in this place. That's always been the case. Do you understand that? That's always been the case. In the communist countries, even before this, there were things called ration cards. You couldn't buy or sell without a ration card. And some of these people who've given testimony says that they can starve you to death. Uh, they can, do, they can, do, they can disp- dispossess you of everything you have through a simple card. You can hold it out on somebody and you can get what you need or can't. Friends, Satan and Antichrist and the false prophet will have ways that they will seek to enforce the worship of Antichrist. You can, you can, you can count on it. And the pressure to give in to the worship of Antichrist will be far worse than anything that we've ever experienced in history. Life will be virtually unlivable apart from that. And that's why I believe that Matthew chapter 25 plays such an important role in being placed where it is. Because remember, Jesus said uh, that there were going to be people that give him something to eat and something to drink and visit him when he was in prison. They're going to say, well, when did we see you there? And I think it's going to be during the time of the tribulation. If you're going to get something to eat, it's going to be because somebody hands it to you, not because you get it through the government or the correct channels. Further describing the mark, John denotes that it will consist of either the name of the beast or the number of his name. So Antichrist is going to have a universal designation, and it's going to have a, a numbering system associated with it. You say, what is it? Well, I don't know. So you spend all this time. I want to find out what this was, and he says, I don't know, I'm leaving. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, really, I don't know, and nobody else knows either. 
So don't listen to those people who are going to tell you what it is. But here's very simple. Uh, this name, he says, of the beast or the number of his name is going to be critical in this buying and selling. In other words, it's identification with him. And you say, well, well, I don't, I don't understand this. Well, listen what he says. You need wisdom. Let him who has wisdom calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. You need wisdom to understand that. Here's the wisdom. I'll tell it to you. You may not get it, but I'll tell you this. The wisdom is that all of this is the number of a man. Man's number is six. Man was created on the sixth day. Man rests after six days of work. Slaves released after six years. Uh, <clears throat> fields were sown only for six years. The seventh year remained fallow. You can find this pattern all through the Bible. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of God. Seven is the number of perfection. Man always falls short of God. Seven is the number of God. Six is the number of Antichrist because Antichrist is always trying to measure up to God. Antichrist can never measure up to God. Every time, everything he tries to do, it's a mimicking, it's a counterfeiting, but it always falls short. Whether it's a death and a resurrection or whether it's uh, uh, being the shepherd and providing everything that people need, no matter what it is that the Antichrist tries to do, he always falls short. And how does he try to do it? He tries to accomplish it by a counterfeit Christ called Antichrist. And he's a man, and, and man always falls short. And you put six, 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 it means failure, failure, failure. And God says, listen, don't put your trust in failure, failure, failure. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Because he's the only hope, the real hope that anybody has. And let me tell you, people try to figure out, because it says calculate the number. And there's a, there's a thing, and I could give you the technical name for it, but you wouldn't remember it. And, but simply what it does is it takes, in uh, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, each letter had a numerical equivalent. For example, Roman numerals. They're, they're letters, but they have numerical values. In, in our, um, um, our system, a would have the value of 1. B would have the value 2, C, so on through 10. And then once you get to 10, you don't go on to 12 and 13. You go on to 20, 30, 40, 50, and then you go into the hundreds. That's a value system. Now, if you take that, those numbers, you take somebody's name, those letters, and you put the numerical equivalents beside that person's name, you know what people have come up with? 666. <clears throat> For example, I took Travis, Travis Rucker, I put Travis Rucker, and I, and I put the, the numerical equipment there. You know, what his, you know what his number comes up to? 666. You know what my number comes up to? 667. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
<coughs> You'll act like you were believing me. I could have been a false prophet. <laughs> but listen, people do that. And if it doesn't work in English, well, you go to Hebrew or Greek. And people can make all kinds of names, people's names, work out to be this kind of, have this numerical value. Listen, it's not about the numerical value. It's about the meaning that this is the number of man, and man always falls short of God. Are you all with me? Everybody got that? Because that's really important. Because when somebody, next time that you get 666 on your license plate, don't freak out. It doesn't mean that you're, the Antichrist is coming, okay? There's a message. There's a message here, friends, that goes way, way beyond the, the, the end times. It's a message for right now. It's a message for today. And let me tell you something. It's a tragic mistake for you to put your trust in man, to put your trust in anything other than Christ. Because listen, what Revelation chapter 14 tells us, verse 9, if anyone worships the beast, excuse me, and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. <clears throat> that doesn't apply just to then. That applies right now. So if you've taken the mark of anything other than Christ, if you've identified with anything other than him, friend, this is your fate. You need Jesus Christ above all else. And I would encourage you to put your faith in him and him alone. He is your hope. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you again for this incredible book that you have given to us, this revelation of life in the future and life today. And Father, we pray that you would just give us a new perspective on the world in which we live and see, Lord, that we can see how much of a control Satan does have in this world. And God, help us to be faithful to you and to put our trust in you alone. Oh God, how I pray for those who have not trusted you. I pray that today that you would give them eyes to see the truth, the failure of everything else except Christ, and put their faith in him. And let me ask you right now, if you have never done that, if you've never trusted Christ, you can do that this moment. You can simply Talk to God wherever you are, and you can say, God, I believe that Jesus is the one and only Christ. I believe that he is the one who died for my sin, my sin, which is so great. And he was buried, and he rose again, and he is the conqueror of death, and I put my faith in him. I turn from my sin, 
and I put my faith in Jesus as best as I know how. If you prayed that prayer, if you meant it from your heart, God will respond to that. Lord, we pray these things again in your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to know about it. Uh, One other thing I just want to remind you, we have some folks that want to be baptized. And if you are interested in being baptized, uh, let me know. I would love to hear about that as well. Thank you. You are dismissed.